So I've done five startups now and I've served on 19 corporate boards. I did the research and I found out who would want this baby and that's why I brought it to market. I saw an incredible opportunity to form the second company. It's been my observation in my private psychotherapy practice that people get into therapy too late. I'm Richard Gerhart. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhart. And you're listening to Passage to Profit, the show that's all about entrepreneurism, small businesses, and the intellectual property that helps them flourish. So that was just a sneak peek at what's coming up. Stay tuned to hear more. We had a fabulous show. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Tonight on our show, we have a very special guest, Mr. Terry Jones, founder of Travelocity and Kayak. So we really look forward to hearing from him. And we have three excellent presenters. I can hardly wait to hear these people speak. First, we're going to have Brian Freed. And I am not going to tell you what his product is. I am just going to predict that 95% of the people who find out about it will have it in their households by the end of the year. That's right. It'll be like, why didn't I think of that? It'll be like, oh, okay. And then we have Lauren Dennis who I just love what she's doing. If you're an art lover and you have kids, you've got to hear this. And then Bob Champy, who has written a book. Now, I know you're going to make a joke about this. <laughs> when to call a therapist. And he doesn't mean like what time of day. <laughs> I, means... I want to hear the sequel. When should a therapist call you? I don't right. know how that goes. <laughs> if you're not seeing a therapist during COVID, well, <laughs> read the book. <laughs> Anyway, so what do we've got now for our IP segment? I guess we're going to do intellectual property in China, trademark stuff, right? So everybody knows that China is one of the problem spots from an intellectual property standpoint, but they are trying to get better. They've enacted new legislation recently that is meant to give more teeth to the intellectual property law there. And equally just recently, New Balance won a fantastic case, at least by Chinese standards. As you may appreciate, New Balance has the N trademark, right? And so, of course, there was a Chinese company, a rather large one, using that same N and they went to court, not in the U.S., but in China. And guess what happened? Uh, New Balance won. They did. And they, how much money did they win? They won $4 million, which, you know, if you look at the U.S. IP landscape, $4 million is not a very big verdict. But nobody ever wins that much in China, But right? in China, that's <laughs> a big deal. And of course, the winning counsel for New Balance in China said that we hope this sends a signal to the rest of the Chinese market. So who knows? Hopefully things will improve there as far as IP protection goes. And we continue to recommend that our clients file intellectual property in China. And the fact that the environment is improving there is good news for IP holders. I just want to say one thing too. They were also ruled to have acted in bad faith after failing to cease infringement, despite the court having told them so and given an order to that effect. So that's pretty unwieldy, I guess, but it is a good point that you bring up. And that is in China, when you're trying to prove intellectual property theft, you have to show bad faith, which is an element that is not in US law, at least for trademarks and patents. And so proving bad faith is sometimes kind of hard to do, especially so China. China really is trying to come along with the rest of the world and enforce intellectual property rights for everybody. That's right. That's yes. Right. So I went online and on Business Insider, I found an article by Alana Horowitz where she talked about wacky patents. And this one's really interesting. It was issued in 2005. Back in the dark ages. And it was written by Robert Simmons Jr. And it's actually a patent on a card game of rock, paper, scissors. So and you can see this is it here. This is what I'm reading from. It's, it's really true. And in the abstract, they say, it's a card game for people too lazy to play rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> you know what's amazing about this is so rock, paper, scissors is supposed to be when you're sitting around waiting for the dentist or something and you play, the kids play. But anyway, so made you this play card. rock, paper, scissors? I used, <laughs> I used to. But this is still for sale. The patent issued in 2005. I don't know when he started marketing it, but it's still for sale on Amazon by Jax. It has 699 reviews and it has like almost five stars. So kudos to Mr. Simmons for taking something that we all thought was just a silly child's game and making a business out of it. 
Yeah, I mean, you never know what could happen in the world of entrepreneurship. I guess it's a great idea. Did you say he had 600 positive reviews? Almost 700. But wow. let's go on to, I am so excited about this guest. I can't wait. Yep, me too. And we are very honored to have Kerry Jones. As I mentioned, he is the founder of Travelocity and Kayak, sort of the Bill Gates of the travel industry. And we're really looking forward to having you, Terry. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Tell us a little bit about your story. Sure, I'd be happy to. And it's great to be with you. I started out, didn't know what I was going to do, graduated from college in history, thought I was going to Vietnam and thank God got rejected because of my eyes and ended up traveling around the world with two of my college roommates. One kid had a free pass on an airline. So we all went and I came back and said, I'm going to get in the travel business. I started out as a travel agent, went to school at night to learn how to write tickets. And six months in, my manager said, let's quit and do a startup. So we did. And we formed a travel agency at the time focused on Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union, which the travel to which was booming because Nixon and Brezhnev were trying to promote commerce. And in five years, we became the 50th largest travel agent in the U.S., focused on business travel. And we computerized, and I fell in love with computers. So I quit, and uh, I went to work for a company selling computers to travel agents, mini computers back in the day, right? Five megabyte disks. (laughs) And uh, six months later, that company was sold to American Airlines. So suddenly, I was inside this big company. I was the only guy in the marketing department at 50,000 with a beard. (laughs) It was a little difficult. And I started working my way up at American Airlines in marketing. And then they sent me over to IT. And I ran applications. I had 500 programmers. And then I ran operations. And then I became chief information officer. That's pretty amazing that a guy with a history degree... would be yeah, on the up, IT side. End up in IT. And that, well, they were, what they were trying to do, and now many companies have done it, was really bring business in IT together. So my boss, who was the CIO at American, a very smart guy who, who'd really taken the Sabre system, which was our internal reservation system, we took it out into travel agents. And that became a multi-billion dollar business. In fact, for a time, it was worth more than the airline. So I, was, I ran product marketing for Sabre, and did all the product design. So I was a product marketing guy. And one day he said, well, you should go run programmers. And I said, you're nuts. He said, no, you'll do fine. For entrepreneurs, especially technically oriented entrepreneurs, they do sometimes have a little bit of a challenge seeing the business side. So what were kind of the ways that you communicated with them to get them to see maybe the bigger business picture? Well, you know, one of the things, I didn't know what I could bring to them really. And so it was interesting uh, leading this team of of several hundred developers. Uh, At the top, we started a book club and I made these guys read and we read business books and, oh, really? And oh. We did that. We had a quality management push at American Airlines. Dimming and quality was a big deal back then. So we brought the principles of dimming and software and quality to software. And other people had done that. But that was the first for us is to say, you know, let's go back and look at this code. Let's start reusing code. Why do you have to write another real-time clock? You know, come on, guys. Let's share and reuse and think about the business. And there was also sort of a project management aspect that created business efficiencies. That's right. And the other thing we did was we embedded people from IT into the business. So like an embedded reporter who goes out into a war zone, we actually had them living there in the business, learning the business. And they were sort of the simultaneous translators of business requirements to IT and vice versa. Because sometimes the business will come to IT with a problem. Mm-hmm. I was I was on a podcast just before this listening about COVID passports and airlines, which I'm working on, you know, to get our IDs right. But other times you'll go to the business and say, you ever heard about this thing called the internet? Maybe we should be in right? I mean, 1995. Right? I confess great. when the internet first came out, I was like, who cares? You know, what's all yeah, this about? Exactly, and- everybody did. So you really need to have that dialogue. And so I did that. I was three years running applications, lost my hair um, (laughs) doing that. And then they made me go run operations, which was 2,000 people and a $300 million budget. And we were outsourcing 40 airlines. So that was a very different job. That was about reliability. 
because you could never fail. You know, if our listener is a programmer and they've got a great idea for a project and they've written all the code, but they're not really business oriented, what do you think an individual can do under those circumstances? Do they have to find somebody who is business oriented? Yes. I mean, that's the partnership. Right. If you look at when we started kayak.com, I was in a VC firm and we had this idea about vertical search for travel. And we went out and found two great guys. One guy who'd been head of business at Orbitz, the travel site, and another guy who was just the best developer I ever found. And we put the two of them together and they went out and built kayak. I was chairman, but you know, it was their company. They're the real founders. And you need to have that because it's very rare to find a developer who is also a great business person. People who start companies can't necessarily grow them. So they need partnerships. They need people to help them. Uh, the guy who founded Priceline had an incubator for a while. He had starters, growers, and runners. And he said, you be a starter. And after you start and it gets big enough, come on back. I'll give you another startup and let me give it to a grower. You know, someone who really knows how to scale a company. Now, sometimes takes- founders can do that. And I did that with Travelocity, but I've oh, been great. inside a big company for a long time. So, so I knew you, how to scale. So what do you tell an entrepreneur who maybe is a good starter, but they're not such a good grower? Find a grower? Is that- yeah, Find a grower, get a partner. Because it, particularly if you're VC backed, they may find a grower instead and fire you, right? So right. Yeah. Uh, that happens. You know, that's the startup dilemma. So You really need to partner with people and understand what your role is. You may say, I just want to run development. I still own this place or I'm still the majority shareholder, but I don't want to do that stuff. It isn't what interests me. I don't want to grow the business. I don't want to do operations. I I hate customers, you know, whatever that is, you know, and some people do. People don't generally become awesome developers because they like other people. You know, it's a solitary kind of a thing. Sure. So let me just, I'll finish the story quickly. I went on to become CIO. When I was CIO, we had this small thing online called Easy Saber, and that was online booking. And the travel agent customers we had hated that. So they wanted us to shut it down. Mm-hmm. But the chairman of American said, no, give it to Terry. He used to be a travel agent. Let him run it. We'll hide it over in IT. Well, the first thing I did was put it on the internet, 1995. And uh, pretty soon I said, you know, I don't want to be CIO anymore. Let me go run that. So I did. Uh, we grew it up. There's a whole story about that in my book on innovation. And it's a story of entrepreneurship. It's a story of how to build a startup inside a big company. Now, eventually we spun it out, took it public. It was the largest online travel agency for a good long period of time. We were fighting Microsoft that started Expedia. And eventually they bought it back and took it private and I quit. And then I went on, as you heard, to start the kayak.com. Four years ago, I had another startup in AI. So I've done five startups now and I've served on 19 corporate boards. That is an amazing and awesome career. So congratulations for all of that and your contributions to people who love to travel. I think those are both excellent things. So Terry, I wanted to ask you about something I saw on your website. So for anybody listening, if you go to Terry's website, and what is your website? It's tbjones.com. tbjones.com. Yeah, so if you go there, there's a video there, and it's really interesting. And what I especially enjoyed and appreciated about this was you're saying it's not disruption that we want. Disruption to me has a negative connotation. It's innovation, which has the positive connotation. And I love that. Well, you know, disruption and innovation are just two sides of the same coin. You only call it disruption because you didn't do it. If you did it, it would be innovation. So let's get out there and innovate. And that's really the key. So my most recent book is called Disruption Off. And it talks about 10 new technologies that are coming for business from AI to big data to drones, you name it, and lots of examples on how they're disrupting. So entrepreneurs can use it as a cookbook to go out and disrupt markets. But the second half of the book is what do you do about it? You know, how do I deal with these disruptive forces? And the first lesson is, particularly for corporations, you have to take more risk. You have to be willing to take risk and you have to fail. 70% of startups fail, okay, for a whole number of reasons. I will speech about that. But, you know, we have to take risk and we have to experiment and we have to build a culture of innovation. You know, culture and team are the keys to innovation. If you have the right culture and you have the right team, You put gas in the tank of innovation. That's people who are glass half full, who are willing to take the challenge. And it is looking at the world and saying, I'm going to go out there and try this thing and it may fail, but I'm going to learn. And then I'm going to iterate and I'm going to try again. 
that's what it takes to change. What do you do if you have a good idea and you're starting it yourself and you don't have money to hire a team? How do you get a team to help you? Well, you know, I'll give you a story. My son is also an entrepreneur. He, he worked inside huge companies like Electronic Arts and Sony in the video game business. And he quit, formed a company with three other guys to compete with a $200 million game. How do you do that? You get your money from Kickstarter, your office is your apartment, and you outsource everything. You know, today in the gig world, you could, they outsourced uh, music, they outsourced video production, they outsourced a whole bunch of things. What was their key? They were great creators. They were the creative core. So what is it that you have? Go raise money from friends and family first and max out your credit cards, which is most people do today, or use Kickstarter or one of those things. And after that, and you have a working prototype or you have some customers, you know, then it's time to go to see angel investors, but not until you have something. So this is the best time ever for entrepreneurs. There's been more business formation since COVID than in the last several years. And people are finding virtually they can reach out, get other people to help them and run like crazy. So go read Disruption Off. It's available on Amazon. That could help you with an idea to use one of these new technologies and outsource everything. You don't have to do it all yourself. So Terry, we've got to wind on this segment in just a minute. It's been an absolutely uh, fascinating conversation, but I want to ask you, where do you see the future of travel technology going? We have this pandemic, but what is like the next step up? I think we're going to see AI. In my AI company, here it is, my fifth startup. That one didn't work. We were too early. Travel is dead last in the deployment of AI. But what we were using is natural language search. So you could say, and this is going to happen soon, I want to go to an island in the Caribbean in January and use my miles and my wife wants a spa and I want golf and my kids want a pool. You can't do that today. Wow. Every travel site says, where are you going and what day? Well, I don't know. You can't do that. And you're going to see that with voice. And then what we did was when you got to that website, it showed you a picture of golf because that's what you asked for. And it showed you reviews about the spa. So you didn't have to look through a thousand pictures and read a thousand reviews. So I think we'll see AI dramatically change the user interface to the next level. And we're going to see voice. We use voice uh, in mobile apps in our tests and we increase conversion rates exponentially. So I think that's what's next is really listening to customer intent up front and then actually showing them what they asked for. Gazooks, right? <laughs> it seems like straightforward, but we're still, you know, Travelocity and Expedia look like they did in 1998. They haven't changed a lot, except there's video, you know. So I think that's going to be the next big thing, making it much easier. And you've already seen, for example, Airbnb changed on a dime. Their searches are all rural today because nobody wants to go to a city during COVID. And the other guys didn't change. I mean, they got it. So we have to be exceptionally nimble and responsive to customers when things like this happen. Well, you just got a big wow from me on that because knowing where to go is half the battle. And that's yeah. what takes so much time in travel planning. And it's more complicated, especially for leisure travel. As you say, you've got a family to worry about. You've got costs, location, national, international. Particularly now, I, w I was talking to the CIO in America and it says, you have a map of low fares and you have a list of COVID regulations. Why don't you put them together? Where can I go for the lowest fare that doesn't have terrible COVID? And I've taken a test. I mean, that's what you want to know. That's yeah. brilliant. Like, that is brilliant. Like, how Make do you think easy. of these things, Terry? Like <laughs> We had a great thing on Travelocity and it didn't sell well, but I loved it. It was, where is the deepest snow with the cheapest airfare for skiers, right? Right. I mean, that's what you want to know. Because I don't know that. Where, you know, I'm in upstate New York and it's 25 below. Where's the warmest place I can go today? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, make it easy for people. People, yeah. look, it's all today. It's all about speed and convenience. MP3 audio is not as good as vinyl, but it's good enough. And it's in my pocket. And right. Steve Jobs got that. Right. Yeah. So the world today is a world of speed and convenience. Make it easy for people and they'll trample a path to your door. 
how important do you think it is for people to have reviews of their companies online? You have to have reviews. And, you know, look, most reviews are frankly positive. If you look at the preponderance of reviews, people who like your product review you more than people don't. But it's the ones that don't you want to read. There's a guy called the Amazon Whisperer in New York City. He's he's one of those electronic guys on Third Avenue, you know, or Lex. And he reads all the reviews about bad electronic products on Amazon. And then he builds a good one. So he'll take, you know, he says, well, wow. this is why all these products are terrible. I'll fix it and have the best shower radio in the world. What a brilliant idea. Wow. Listen to what other people don't like. Because so many companies say, you know, I've been in these uh, usability labs where you're looking at a customer's using your product. And the engineer also said, well, that customer's an idiot. No, you're an idiot. The customer is right. So fix your product. Terry Jones, uh, founder of Travelocity and Kayak, uh, among many other ventures. It's been just a fascinating discussion. Terry, we hope that you can stay with us and we'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearHeartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law. www.GearHeartLaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are like licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearheart. And if you missed our guest, Terry Jones, you have missed a lot. Just a fantastic discussion ranging from new technologies to how to build a business to Terry's story. I think you really ought to tune in. The show will be available on our podcast tomorrow, and it's available on all podcast platforms. And also, if you want to see what we look like, try our YouTube channel too. So <laughs> Maybe they want to see what the other people look like. We look they already scared. know what we look like. <laughs> yes. So now it's time for our power move with our very own Kenya Gibson. Kenya, who do you have for us today? Well, we're going to be talking about Tristan Walker on Power Move today. Tristan Walker is the inventor of Bevel and Bevel is a men's shaving system where it basically comes with a full skincare line. So you not only get the shaver, but it comes with solutions that alleviate bumps. And it was, what's interesting is that Tristan didn't start in the health and beauty industry. He started in tech and on wall street was kind of not fulfilled there and decided that he wanted to switch over to beauty and to health. And he's built this amazing brand that was valued over at $24 million or something. And it recently was acquired by Procter and Gamble, making Tristan the first black CEO they've had in over 80 years. So I say that's quite the power move. Wow, that's great. What is the name of the product line again? It's called Bevel, B-E-V-E-L. It's for people who still shave normally, right? So yes. in today's world, I see a lot of younger guys not shaving so much. Do they have products for them too? You know, it's a good question. I'm not sure. But I, I think that the whole thought process behind it is for those who do shave, if you're experiencing irritation, you know, you just can't use anything on your face, right? The whole philosophy is that you have this skincare system, not just a shaving system, but a full skincare solution that alleviates all the irritants and any bumps or anything you might get from traditional shaving. Well, I think that it was brilliant of Procter and Gamble. I mean, you say he's making a power move. I think they're making a power move because this guy was on Wall Street. He's a tech guy and he's a consumer products inventor. Like what better combination for a company like Procter and Gamble, really? thousand percent. And I think it's smart too to like, keep 
you know, someone on who knows that product line. So they, they could have acquired it, right? And they could have just paid him a lot of money and sent him on his way, but they see the value in what he's built and want to make sure that he's still a part of that process. And that I think makes for a very good product line. Kudos to P&G for that. I just wonder how long the founder is going to be comfortable in that environment. So <laughs> I wish him <laughs> going from freedom to corporate uh, can be a challenging transition. I made the transition from corporate to independent and that wasn't easy either, but best of luck to him. It sounds like a great move. So the good news is he has a whole brand. So that's just one brand that he built. He has like several other under the Walker and company brands company that he still owns and operates. Bevel was just one brand that he let Procter and Gamble acquire. So, and they just got into Walmart and all these other great stores. So wow. it's going well. So he gets the best and the worst of both worlds. Exactly. That's... And he's a very busy guy. <laughs> he's a busy guy. <laughs> so thanks very much. Elizabeth, why don't you tell us about Fireside? So anyone who's listened and heard this segment knows that I did a startup. I started a about a little over a year ago. I call it Fireside Directory. And my goal, my overall vision is to be the Wikipedia of small business on video. I started interviewing business owners to put them on my YouTube channel and website and COVID hit. And it actually made it easier in some ways because now everybody is on Zoom and on video and I was just able to do Zoom videos with people. So I'm up to over hundred videos. Of course, I'm not going to scale by doing all the interviews myself, <laughs> obviously. I'm trying to do strategic partnerships with people so that I really want this for me to just be a tech project. I love doing the interviews and I'll do them if necessary, but I want it to be a tech project where we have business videos and they were going to be short. And now, but, but really during quarantine, people needed to talk about their companies. Yeah, well, that's true. And so true. they're longer than I had expected, but that doesn't really matter because people could watch a little bit or as time goes on and things constantly evolve and change, as Terry has very well pointed out during his talk, I can go with those changes with Fireside. So yeah. So set your business on fire with Fireside. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still in phase one. I'm collecting videos. Phase two is going to be a heavy duty social media campaign. That's great. And radio too. And radio. Of Working course. with iHeart. Of course, yes. radio. So what do we have next? I am so excited about this presenter. I'm so excited about this product. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but Brian Freed, who has done many products, by the way, this latest one is so cool. Welcome, Brian. Please tell us what you've got. How you doing? Thank you. So this one is called the paper towel topper. Think about it. When your hands are dirty or they're wet and you go to reach for that paper towel, you usually put your hand on top of the paper towel roll. And I started to notice that they got wet and dirty quite a bit. So introducing the paper towel topper. So you take this piece and you put it right into the top of the roll. And then now anytime you want to take a paper towel, you just, that's it. It just keeps it clean and away from any uh, dirt or water. I just want to say that this has been a learning experience for me because usually when I take a paper towel, I either push it down, I tear it down, or I do one of these things and a bunch of them come out. I never even thought of putting my hand on the paper towel holder in the first place. Well, I don't because if I'm cooking like chicken grossness on my hand, I don't want to get the whole thing of paper towels gross with chicken, right? So it is a problem. <laughs> I mean, and then I love the pictures on your website. Like if you look at his website. I know. It's like I saw the website this morning. And it was like, I instantly got it. You know, it was, uh, it was like, wow, that's really cool. Just trying to figure out like, how many people have under the counter type of paper towel rolls and how many people use stands and just doing that research, just like Terry mentioned earlier, it's all about who's going to want it. And uh, I did the research and I found out who would want this baby. And, and that's why I brought it to market. Well, I want one. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Do radio show hosts get like free <laughs> toppers? 
So what is it going to sell for? I was doing $7.99, which includes shipping. That's it. We'll see how it does. Like you mentioned, I have many products. This one I just came up with a few months ago, did the whole prototyping and everything else, and now it's available for sale. So I'm just kind of soft launching right now. If somebody does find it or we're talking about it and they end up going to the website, they can purchase it. But I am going to do a major launch. So I'm happy to share it with you on your show. The Paper Towel Topper. What is the website? Paper Towel Topper. Dot com. Well, that's wow, easy. that's easy to remember. So I'm sure Terry has something to say. This is the kind of idea he's done the research. He sees that there is a problem and, and so many people, you know, start a business based on a problem in their own life. But the important step was the next step he did. I have a lot of people who say, well, this is the way I travel. So I built an app to do this. I said, does anybody else do that? You know, but Brian went out and did the research and that's what's important. Find out if there are other people there and he's going to get feedback and somebody's going to say, well, I want it a different color. I don't like glass or a dozen things will happen. Some of them will be stupid. But if you listen to those ideas, he'll continue to iterate on that product and then he'll get a bunch of great reviews and start selling on Amazon and away it'll go. Thank you, Terry. Unfortunately, we're running low on time, but we'll be right back. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt, our special guests, Terry Jones. And of course, Kenny Gibson, our media maven, will be right back after this. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley's the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not? make it you. If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Our special guest, Terry Jones, who started Travelocity and Kayak. I'm ready to go someplace great. Where do I sign up? And our wonderful presenters. And it's been a great show so far. If you missed any of it, the podcast is out tomorrow. Go to our YouTube channel. I'm going to listen to it again. Yeah, I am too. But now we have something that is very cool. I looked online at this lady's stuff and I wish I was a kid so I could use it. I might use it as an adult. So without further ado, Lauren Dennis with the Art Box Academy. Welcome, Lauren. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So great to see you all. As long as I can remember, loved doing art. As a young girl, it felt very natural to me and studied art in college, fine arts, and then went to Otis Parsons School of Design and discovered textile design. And then as we were talking earlier, I fell in love with art history and was very fortunate to study in the University of Paris for art history. After college, I was in the textile industry. I really saw with some volunteer work that children um, weren't being exposed, this was about 25 years ago, to a lot of opportunities that gave them at a very young age, the opportunity to create those, we call them those creative muscles that start really young. And I started a business called Art to Grow On Children's Art Center here in Los Angeles that is a mobile enrichment company. So we have a pretty big team of educators that go out to schools and we start very young, two years old in the littlest preschools up through about sixth grade with art education programs focused on the great masters. And when COVID came, of course, for all of us, we had to shift and pivot. And I had a program working with hospitals at the time that used art boxes because of course those children were in hospitals for days, weeks, or months. So we would bring the art lessons in boxes for them. And once COVID affects so many of our schools, I saw an incredible opportunity to form the second company, the Art Box Academy, to bring this creative art lesson and packages to all those children that are home. So that is really what launched the big jump from being sort of a small product line to working with all these children throughout the country. That sounds great. Well, once parents realized that they could do their art project instead of drawing on the walls, I'm sure you're... (laughs) 
I'm sure your sales took off. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. What I like, I went on your website and looked and you have modules from famous artists and architects, but I love the architectural piece too, because you had little foam building blocks that Yes, could build Frank Lloyd Wright structures. Yes. So we really introduced the great masters from Frank Lloyd Wright to Frank Geary. And it's not a highly directed lesson. We give guidance, but the whole platform is for them to see the world through their eyes, for them to create their own work of art. So that's really been an incredible journey to watch all of that. I can imagine you're talking about something near and dear to my heart. I happen to love classic art and also modern art as well. I don't know if you've seen on social media the whole Northwest art piece debacle. So Northwest is Kim Kardashian's daughter, right? And Kanye West's daughter. And she actually is an artist. She's been an artist since she was a very, very little girl from painting like Birkenbags to now taking like all of these really cool art classes. And there was this huge thing on social media in the last day where she painted this beautiful piece of art and it almost looks like a kid couldn't paint it but they were just not giving her credit for it. So her parents went to social media to justify that she did paint it and she indeed is, it's her art. And I just was thinking about what you're doing for kids in terms of like giving them an opportunity. Art, to Richard's point, was very important to me when I was in school. And, you know, I wonder if there's an opportunity to use some of these kid influencers that are out mm-hmm. there in the world, sending them a box. Absolutely. Because it was, I, I mean, love- it was, it was viral. This whole painting that this little girl did was, it was viral the last two days and it got so much press. And I wonder if there's some opportunity for you to get your product to these folks. Oh, that would be incredible incredible i think what you have is wonderful what is your website the website is the artboxacademy.com you'll see the boxes from architecture boxes to lesson bundles featuring all the greats mondrian and andy warhol and again inspired by these wonderful artists and other activities in the boxes too so it's well worth going listeners even if you don't have kids maybe you have grandkids or maybe like me you want to do one yourself so thank you, Lord. You're listening to Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart, our special guest, Terry Jones. And we will be back after these messages and go to our YouTube channel. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And now we are on to our final presenter who really is appropriate for this time in history and his book that he has written is very appropriate. It is called When to Call a Psychotherapist. So without further ado, Bob Champy, welcome. A little about myself. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I've been in the field of behavioral health for over 20 years, and I've been in private practice for over 10 years. I've worked with all kinds of populations of people in many different settings. And one of my settings that I worked in was I was the director of inpatient social work services at the largest hospital in New Jersey where I supervise 35 psychiatric social workers. So I have a great deal of experience working in hospitals, community mental health centers, and I also worked in a behavioral health care consulting firm. That's amazing. I mean, you must have so much patience. What is my secret? Well, I worked with a great team and I worked there for four years, got a lot of experience and I'm still in touch with many of my staff members even today. But I, in 2019, I wrote a book entitled When to Call a Therapist. And it's been my observation in my private psychotherapy practice that people get into therapy too late. And what I mean by that is people tend to wait unnecessarily long periods of time before calling a therapist. People suffer from many 
disorders of anxiety, bipolar illness, anger management issues for long periods of time before calling a therapist. And I found that couples wait an inordinate amount of time before calling a therapist. It's almost like a last ditch effort. You know, honey, let's call a therapist and uh, let's see if we can work out these 15 years of marital issues in a few sessions. And so, you know, I think it's important to work on our issues, get into therapy right away. I'm also a strong proponent of trying to help minimize or eliminate stigma surrounding mental health. And my goal is to try to help people get into therapy sooner rather than later to ameliorate unresolved problems that these issues can bring. That's great. So when should somebody start thinking about seeing a counselor or getting some type of help? It's when our issues start to get in our way. For example, with anxiety, what happens is the longer we wait, our world starts to shrink. So things we used to do, we used to travel, we used to go out with friends. Uh, all of a sudden, we're not doing that anymore. You know, we're, we're isolating more, and this is pre-COVID. And, you know, our worlds just tend to shrink. We're not out there. So that's definitely impacting our world. As far as depression is concerned, there are uh, low-grade depression and major depressive disorder which can impact people's lives. Uh, they're not happy, they're sluggish, they, they may have dark thoughts that they feel very uncomfortable with. And certainly folks with anger management issues, you know, it's getting them in trouble. They're now getting the attention of law enforcement and they're court mandated folks who must seek out a therapist. And as I mentioned a minute ago, couples tend to wait and wait and wait. Many couples have unresolved issues and they keep repeating the same problems without any resolution. And it's going over and over again and they're not getting anywhere. Again, when to call a therapist sooner rather than later. To your point about, you know, when you said earlier, when people wait too long about calling for help or getting help, at what point, what, what are some of the signs and symptoms where someone should recognize that they need to pick up the phone and they need to get help? Sometimes it comes from uh, the outside. Sometimes a parent may see their son or daughter sluggish, depressed, their grades are sinking, and a parent will actually call me and say, could you see my son? Can you see my daughter? And this is what I'm, I'm saying. But, you know, we have to be aware of how we're feeling. Are we fully functioning? Are we, are we hiding away, isolating? Did we stop doing the things that we like to do, activities? Activities uh, have gone to the wayside. And so these are all signs that maybe something is, uh, is not right. And I would advise those folks to make an appointment with a, with a therapist and, and talk through it and see what we can do, what kind of work we can do together. We have read studies that say many entrepreneurs suffer from depression. So I think that if an entrepreneur feels like things are going bad, that they really should reach out. But Terry, what do you think about this? I think it's an excellent idea that you just had, which relates to Robert's book, is that many entrepreneurs are sole proprietors. They have the weight of the world on their shoulders. They quit their job. They're trying to support their business which generally doesn't go well in the beginning. <laughs> it's very difficult. And that's going to create stress. And, you know, it certainly can create family issues. And, you know, people say, your parents, your spouse, why in the world are you doing this? Why did you leave your great cushy corporate job to go create the Gearheart Law Firm or whatever? <laughs> uh, why did you do that? And, Actually, it was and, her idea. So. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you better the get credit. the book right now, buddy. Um, so I, I think Robert's book makes, makes a lot of sense because people don't know when to go. You know, wh what's the tripwire? When, when have I reached that? What's the symptomology that I can look at in my relationship that says, you need help? And I certainly have reached out in the past. So I think that's a great idea to help people understand that there's no stigma to doing this. And we all need coaches. I mean, this show is about coaching entrepreneurs in various parts of their business. And one of the parts is your mental health because you can get so down from doing this and destroy everything, including your product, because you don't have a healthy life. And I've also That's noticed that many athletes, entertainers are now opening up about their mental health issues. So this can only help folks get to a therapist sooner than later. The substance abuse issues, their anxiety, their depression. Michael Phelps is one, the great Olympic champion. He suffers from depression. And he's, he's open about it now and many, many other mm -hmm. people. So that's really the good news that if they can do it and they can do it in a public way, why can't we pick up the phone? Well, Bob, what percentage of the population do you think has been to a psychotherapist? I would say like 90% one time or another, or should have been, right? No, probably 90% should be. It could be a life-changing event. I've been through therapy in my life and it changed everything. Changed my direction, changed my way of thinking, my mindset. 
and it helped just work through issues that, that kept me stuck for a while. So we really should think about opening up more. It's more prevalent than maybe some people think. And we're all, you know, many people are sitting around with, you know, suffering and stewing in their issues and what's preventing them from getting from that point to a telephone to call a therapist. Uh, I even outline in the book how therapy works. And chapter one is uh, entitled My Story. And I talk about how I got into therapy when I was in my 20s and 30s. And it really pointed me in the right direction. You know, particularly important now during COVID, I know some of the companies I'm on the board of, for example, we have one company where the HR director uh, and two of her assistants have open Zoom every day. And people could just drop in and say, you know, I'm working from home and this sucks and my kids are driving me crazy and whatever. It's not psychotherapy, but it's support. And they'll go off into a private Zoom room and talk and it's just, they're just there. And I have another HR director who just goes around the company with people doing check-ins. How are you doing? Because we don't have the kind of networking that always supported us. And, you know, you don't have the water cooler. You say, you know, Bob, my wife is an idiot. And, you know, we're going to a bar. So you don't have any way to express that because the only person you're with is her or him. Bartenders are really therapists too, right? Well, they are. (laughs) We can't reach out to them. And, you know, we, we pay with alcohol, but right. So it's so important, particularly when we're all isolated to look at these tripwires. Yeah. And I just want to add, uh, I'm working with a number of people who are out of work, who are trying to reinvent themselves. And one person in particular, uh, he worked for the airline industry. He was furloughed along with a bunch of other people. And he just found out that he's not going to be taken back. And so he's trying to, you know, we're trying to work and brainstorm different areas that he may want to look in and explore. I have quite a number of people who are in that same position right now, looking to try to reinvent themselves and discover a new part of themselves that they can find a job with. Is seeing a professional different than talking to a friend? Absolutely. You know, when we talk to a friend, friends, you know, they don't want to tell us the unvarnished truth, right? They want to they want to say, oh, get rid of that guy. He's no good for you and you deserve better and all this kind of stuff. But that's kind of a one-sided deal. And so a therapist is an objective person who can look at the situation and really tell it like it is. And so it's nice to have friends. It's nice to vent with friends and maybe family members, but it's not the same as going to a therapist. And one more thing, I just wanted to add that uh, sometimes couples are going through a rough patch and she tells her family her story and he tells his family his story. And so you got these two camps that are kind of fired up and pointing daggers at each other. Now that's going to make it real difficult for this couple to try to get back together. And I would advise couples who are going through a rough patch to keep it to yourself Go to the therapist, because if you work all this out, which is likely to happen, then families don't stew in their resentment and all this stuff comes out that can't be put back in again. I think that's just one way a therapist can be very helpful for couples. Well, that's great advice. Well, and that's why I wanted Bob on the show, because I feel like it's something we have to address every now and again on the show, because people are still suffering and it's weird. And we're taking it out in weird ways that we don't even understand about ourselves, right? So really professional is seen it all, heard it all, especially somebody like Bob with a lot of experience. And they can say, oh yeah, I've seen that before. You're not weird. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> but it, it is an interesting point that you make because COVID will change our society in ways that we probably can't even anticipate yet. You can look at the simple things like the Zoom and how we do business and interact. You can factor in the education, sort of the skipped year, but there are other things that will come out of this that we can't anticipate. COVID has certainly been up front and center for such a long time that there are many folks out there suffering from substance abuse. And a lot of people are addicted, dying, and that's not so much in the fore anymore. It's been pushed back, but it's at an all-time high. And uh, I just wanted to point that out that everything has just been, you know, COVID and vaccines and, and everything, but there's a major problem out there that a lot of people aren't talking about, but a lot of people are suffering with. So Bob, where can people find you? I am on a number of therapist sites and one is Psychology Today. It's probably the biggest site out there. I can also be reached on my website, www.rchampy.com. And my book can be found online, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and can be ordered through bookstores right in your town. And I'd just like to say Champy is not spelled how it sounds. So no, it's C-I-A-M as in Mary, P-I, www.rchampy.com. Passage to Profit, The Inventor Show on WOR 710, The Voice of New York. Richard Elizabeth Gearhart, our special guest, Terry Jones. And we will be right back for the wrap up 
If you missed any of it, don't worry. There's a podcast and a YouTube channel. You can go see it there. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R. H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. An absolutely incredible show today, huh? I mean, a lot of meaty content. I would say I have not been this well-informed in a long, long time. But that's why our audience loves us, right? <laughs> <laughs> loves our guests at least keep those cards and letters coming so, in yes i'm going to go over everybody's websites again so if you've been listening and you hadn't had a chance you can find us on youtube or the podcast but i will tell you now terry jones who is the founder of travelocity and kayak and is a speaker and counselor giving advice to people can be found on his website at tbjones.com you can find his books on amazon on innovation and disruption off I was somebody who's really ahead of the curve. I really he, enjoyed talking with him. The ideas that come out <laughs> this man are amazing. Well, uh, like the whole idea of finding the right travel spot for you is very right. intriguing. If you so. miss that, go back and listen to his segment it's, on the YouTube channel. It's or on the, the answer podcast. to your travel prayers, let me tell you. Yes. And then we had Power Move with Kenya Gibson. That's Kenya Gibson with a P at iHeartMedia.com. And she always keeps us up to date on who's doing what in the community. And Brian Freed, that's F-R-I-E-D. So you can find him at brianfreed.com. And he had the paper towel topper, which you can find at papertowelltopper.com, which is a really great invention. Absolutely. And he had a lot of other inventions that were really interesting. And I know he helps entrepreneurs too. So check out his website. And then Lauren Dennis with the Art Box Academy at theartboxacademy.com. So really cool art projects for kids that include building their 3D. It's really creative. They can play with Picasso. <laughs> yes. And then Bob Champy, who has a book, When to Call a Therapist. And it's really important for a lot of people now to pay attention to their mental health. You can find his book on Amazon and you can find him at www.rciampi.com. Terry, do you have any final thoughts for our audience? I think what's been exciting about this show is that you know, we've had a bunch of entrepreneurs here, all of whom observed a problem and went out and did something about it. And I talked about, you know, the, the difference between disruption and innovation is you only call it a disruption because you didn't do it. Uh, <laughs> we want to be innovators and innovators are disruptors. And, you know, all three of these folks are out changing the world by thinking of a new product and actually getting it out there. Because so many people have these awesome ideas and they never do anything about it. So put your idea to work. That's what innovation is. Before we go, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank the Passage to Profit team. Uh, Noah Fleischman, our producer at iHeart, who always takes what we do here and turns it into something even better. I miss Noah. We used to see him every week at iHeart when we went to tape in the studio. Yep. I've seen him for a year almost. I wonder if he's changed. <laughs> 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 and also, I'd like to thank our project coordinator, our program coordinator, Alicia Morrissey, who really puts all of this together. She does a great job. Angela Wolf from Angela Wolf Video does a great job of putting together the show for YouTube. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And also check out our YouTube channel. And don't forget to tune in next week for more Passage to Profit. You're listening to Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart on iHeartRadio, WOR 710, the voice of New York. 